Well, good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning service, and we're glad to have you join in on this April the 19th, a week removed from Easter, and what a great week we had. If we think back over the services of the past week, a good Easter service with the Rochesters and Brother Scott Matthews, and then our Jubilee service on Wednesday night with uh, Brother Gary Blaylock and his, his family singing, and so it's just been a tremendous week, and, and I really believe that today we will continue to, to see more of that. I believe God is really going to accomplish something in our hearts through what is done here in our service today. I know the message that I've had the privilege to bring today will be a, it has been a great encouragement to me and I really believe it'll be a help to you. Uh, have your Bibles ready and following along prayerfully and I, I promise you if you'll do that God's going to speak to your heart today. I'm going to uh, ask Brother Corey to come around. I'm going to ask Brother Pat to come around and lead us in an opening hymn. And then Brother Corey, our associate pastor, will come and uh, give us scripture reading and lead us in an opening prayer today. And then right after that, we'll have some special singing by the Triad Trio and then the preaching today. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate that. If you will, please, this morning, we're going to sing My Savior's Love. Be the first, second, and the last stanza, please. You should know the song. So sing along with us while you're there at home. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wondered how he could love me, a sinner condemned and clean. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever garden. He prayed not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own grief, but sweat drops of blood for mine. How marvelous, how wonderful, and my song shall ever Isaiah chapter number 12, the Bible says, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, for thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song, he also has become my salvation. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. 
And in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord, call upon His name, declare His doings among the people, make mention that His name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for He hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we thank you for this day that you've given us today. We're again grateful for the privilege that we have to come before your face. God, even though we're still separated, I have taken great comfort in knowing that we have still had the privilege and the opportunity to meet and to worship you. As I was even reflecting in my own life throughout the week, it's been so different not coming together and worshiping together and seeing one another and being able to fellowship together, yet how my heart has been encouraged to hear testimonies of your folks that have praised your name, even though we've not been able to come together, to see even in my own life the growth and the progress that you've brought and the deeper understanding. God, I'm thankful that even in the midst of troublesome times, in the midst of trials, that you do not hide your face from your children. You're there for us, waiting for us to come to you. And Lord, I love you and I appreciate all that you've done in my own life as well in the lives of our church. I ask now that you would help us as we have set this time aside. Help us to lay aside the distractions that no doubt Satan is going to try to bring in in the next little while. He's going to try to bring noises outside. He's going to try to upset things in the home to steal our attention away from the worship and the praise of you. And I'm asking you now that you would bless this time. Help us to lay all of that away, to focus wholeheartedly on you, to listen with attentive ears, seeking your face and the message that you have for each and every one of us today. Bless the singing and all that is said and done, for it is in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.
All right, if you'll open your Bibles with us this morning to Luke chapter 21, and this will be our message text for the day, Luke chapter 21. We're going to look at a few verses in this chapter, but I want to get things started by taking you down to the main text verse today, which is verse number 34. So in Luke chapter 21, in verse number 34, I want you to notice this verse. It says, and take heed, Jesus talking to the disciples, he says, and take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. Jesus says in this verse that we are to take heed to ourselves, and more specifically, we are to be looking at our hearts. Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged or we might say overwhelmed. And I want to ask you a question this morning, and that's this. Is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul in the day that we're living in right now, in the things you're going through right now? Is it well with your soul? See, that's the question this morning as we look into our Bibles and we come to this time of God, looking in God's Word. And I would say this, that the answer to that question for most people, if they're honest right now, would be no. The truth is my soul's not doing too well uh, in the middle of everything that is going on. But I want to say this morning that we are not most people. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, then our souls have a source and a refuge and a purpose which should secure us even in a world that is going mad all around us. Horatio Spafford, you may not recognize that name, but Horatio Spafford had been a successful lawyer and with a very profitable uh, times in business and so forth and investments, he had set him and his family up quite well in the 1860s and in that era. However, a series of tragic events in his life changed everything for him. His four-year-old son died in 1871, and the great Chicago fire that same year ruined him as his investments had been largely in properties that now were total lost. His remaining investments in business took a hit when the economy tanked in 1873. And so he planned to travel to Europe with the rest of his family and try to reset, get a fresh start. Well, a last-minute change of plans uh, led him to send his family on ahead while he remained behind to take care of some business matters. Well, while crossing the Atlantic Ocean, the ship that his wife and four daughters were on sank all the way to the bottom of the sea. And, of course, all four of Spafford's daughters died in that ship sinking. His wife Anna was the only one of the family that survived and she sent him what became uh, now a very famous telegram that simply said, saved alone. Well, shortly after Spafford was traveling across that same Atlantic Ocean to go and meet with his grieving wife over in England, as the ship that he was on passed right near where his daughters had died when their ship had sank, he was moved in his heart to write the words which have become a source of great comfort to many believers down through the years. And they are these, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. Know, my friends, this morning in the midst of our own troubled days, knowing that every one of you, every one of you have experienced some trouble. Everyone has experienced maybe some loneliness or some sadness or some measure of loss and grief during these times. 
Maybe you've lost a loved one. You know of a friend who is suffering during this time. You might have been put out of work for a little bit. You've had to cancel a vacation. Some of you uh, may not get to walk in a traditional graduation ceremony. And on and on and on the list goes. But I would ask you this morning, is it well with your soul? Here in Luke chapter 21 is a discourse about the coming end of all things. There seems to be a couple of applications to this as you read through this chapter. Uh, there is a future end that results in the coming again of Jesus. Amen. What a day that'll be. And the ushering in of eternity. And then there seems to be this immediate end of things that the disciples are interested in. Uh, and the immediate end of things as everyone knew them to be. Well, this entire teaching of Jesus from about uh, verse number 18 through verse number 36, it all stems from a question. I should say from verse 8 through verse 36, but it all stems from a question that was asked in verse number 7. The Bible says, Luke 21 and verse number 7, And they, the disciples, asked him, saying, Master... But when shall these things be, and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? Now what is this question, these things? What are these things they're talking about? Well, it was a, a question which had been prompted, and I believe on purpose by Jesus. Uh, it was a statement Jesus made that prompted this question by the disciples. In Luke chapter 21, just two verses up, verse 5 and 6, look what it says. And as some spake of the temple how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. He, Jesus, said, As for these things which ye behold, the days will come, in the which there shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. What was Jesus saying to them that day? He's saying, hey, everything you know is changing. Everything you know is changing. And how relevant is that in the day that we live in with so much of what we have known to be the normal and so much of what we have known to be stable is now changing in our life. But what if you were told this? Hey, what if Spafford, Horatio Spafford, had known what was coming his way in the early 1870s? Uh, well, I think in the days that we're living in, we can appreciate this a little more uh, than maybe we could have two or three months ago. But you can bank on this guarantee that everything is going to change. First John chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, the Bible says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The Bible tells us that the world will pass away. Everything that we can hold in our hands, everything we can see with our eyes, everything that you can purchase with your money, everything that you can consume with your mouth, friend, the world is passing away. And uh, the Bible tells about a great day coming when all of it will be consumed in fire uh, and be done away. But praise God, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, listen. Luke 21, our text is about a living hope, a hope that is ours to live from. Even in a world that is falling apart, thank the Lord, we are held together by this promise. Jesus said in John 14 and verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Oh, Horatio Spafford went on to write, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control 
that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. Ah, friends, what a joy it is to have that promise this morning. But I tell you, the house of cards is going to crumble. If we were to translate what Jesus was saying to the disciples in the early part of this chapter into our modern vernacular, I believe Jesus Jesus is basically saying this. You see all this stuff around you? You see all this stuff that everybody's so crazy about? All these things they've built their false comfort and consolation around? How they find their comfort in these nice, shiny things? Hey, listen, disciples... It's all coming down one day. You see, it's nothing more than a house of cards built on the sand in the path of a Cat 20 hurricane that's coming, and there's nothing that can be done about it. The house of cards will come down. That's why Jesus said over in Matthew chapter number 7 that we're to build our house upon the rock and not upon the sand. What is the rock? Jesus is the rock, amen, and nothing will change him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know the immediate subject uh, that they're discussing in the early part of this chapter was the temple, as I said earlier. That's what the talk's been all about here that leads into all of this. Over in Mark chapter 13, where we read Mark's account of this, in verse 1 it says, As they went out of the temple, one of his disciples saith unto him, Master, oh, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And in Luke 21 and verse 5 it said, And as some spake of the temple, how it was adorned with goodly stones and gifts. But there was more to this than met the immediate ear and eye. You see, Jesus begins to explain how the entire system is going to be completely dissembled and disassembled, rather, and brought down. He proceeds to answer their question. He gives them the signs of the times, but yet he doesn't give them a definite timeline. And as you know, Jesus himself said that only the Father knows when he will come back one day. And today's not the time, this is not the message uh, or the occasion to walk through this verse by verse and try to understand every detail that Jesus is giving. Uh, but I do want to point out that while we are not at the end as far as we know, uh, as far as time is concerned, we can see clearly that we are drawing closer and closer. The message today is not how do I read the signs of the times. If you compare Scripture with Scripture or read Mark 13 along with Luke 21 and Matthew 24, you'll see that there was, as I said a moment ago, an immediate application, as in, there will be the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70. That, that is referenced here as it was in the Old Testament prophets. But, and, and by the way, that will happen within 40 years of the day Jesus is saying this to the disciples. So that was coming. But then there's that long-term application of the coming of Jesus. Uh, as he says toward the end in verse 27 of Luke 21, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming uh, in a cloud with power and great glory. Uh, oh, yes, friends, Jesus is coming. But notice how Jesus describes the hearts of men and women during these times. During all that's written here in, in Luke 21 that, that he describes here. He, he says in verse 8, they'll be deceived. He says in verse 17, there'll be a time where people will be hateful. He says in verse 23, it's a time of great distress. In verse 25, it's a time of distress and perplexity. And in verse 26, I want to read this one. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. 
You see that? It'll be a time, Jesus says, of failing hearts. Now remember, there was an immediate application and then there was the long-term application. The immediate application was the, the fact that that temple would be brought down, there would be destruction, and that would cause men's hearts to fail when the enemy comes into Jerusalem and does that. But there's a long-term application that in the days before Christ returns, this earth is going to see tribulation like it's never seen. And I tell you today, there's an immediate application. Men's hearts are failing them. You see, when the house of cards comes down, whether it be a false religion or all the glitz, the glamour, and the gold, and the glories of men. Uh, hey, when all that begins to fall apart, what comes? Fear and apprehension. And you know, for many years, for generations now, we have been uh, looking at all that we have in this country and how good things have been. And we've taken things for granted. And, and look, but now we live in a day where stuff is coming apart. Stuff is falling apart at the seams. And what's happening to people's hearts? Well, fear. Fear, it means an expectation of evil. The belief of some impending danger that's coming my way. Don't you believe there are people that are living like that right now in the world? Sure there are. All around you, you've got neighbors, co-workers, family members that feel fear during this day. Now I'm not talking about they're terrified. I, that's not what the word means. It's not saying that they're running around, you know, screaming their heads off, afraid somebody's about to... Not that kind of fear, but it's something deep within their heart. There's this fear. They may not even be able to put a finger on it, but they're afraid. They're afraid of what they don't know is about to happen. And apprehension, fear and apprehension. When he says that phrase, looking after, it's a word that means apprehension. What is apprehension? Well, you know this. The police apprehend a suspect. It means to capture. It means to arrest. And I tell you today, men's hearts are arrested by worry. They're arrested by the uncertainty, by the grief, and by that fear. It's a fear of loss, isn't it? A fear of loss. Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, he said, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. You say, well, preacher, that ain't me. I'm not the rich. And I don't even know. I don't even have any rich friends. So he ain't talking to me right there. I'll tell you, you know who the rich are in this world? Every single one of us, all of us, we're the rich I'm going to tell you something, Americans are wealthy people and truly, truly each of us is far more wealthy than the average person across this globe today. We have learned to trust in our uncertain riches, haven't we? We've learned to trust in a job security. We've learned to trust in a retirement plan. We've learned to trust, help us Lord, in a credit card. We've learned to trust that we can go down the road any day we want to and get whatever we want to when we want it. We can have it our way. We've learned to trust in uncertain riches. But look where we are today. That's why I keep telling you this, friends. Loss can be a kindness from God in our life. I believe that. You see, there's no toilet paper at the store. Internet's moving too slow. We're only allowed to buy two gallons of milk at one time when we go to the store. Now, it doesn't matter that you can go to the store as often as you want to. You can go in and buy two gallons, walk out, put them in the car, go back in and buy two more. But we act like, man, we're just falling apart. So many are fit to be tied, as Grandma used to say. Fit to be tied. And this is why I'm convinced that God continues to message to us through His Word. 
Let go of all of these things. Come back to me. Draw nigh to me. Make more room for me in your heart and let go of this world and its way. Friends, I preached about that before all this started. you got to remember, it was that It was that crazy morning of, uh, it was supposed to be Youth Sunday that happened all of a sudden, and we had to kind of plan Youth Sunday real quickly, and then all of a sudden, Brother Herbster couldn't be here that morning because he ended up in the hospital with kidney stones, and the Lord had been laying some things on my heart, and I preached to our young people how they can revolt against the world, how they can come out from among the world and live for God, and look at where God has brought us to today, church. We have an opportunity to do that. To follow through on the message God gave us that day. Mm. So this is the message for this morning. In the middle of all the current loss and trouble, which is a look at what is to come. Yep, because it's going to get worse one of these days. But is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? And I want to show you real quickly how to keep it well with your soul. Because you can. Go back to our text verse, verse 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. Jesus says, watch your hearts. You see, the danger's real. You can become overwhelmed in all of these things, Jesus is saying, and make some really bad moves. Now, now this is going to sound strange to us, maybe, where we're at right now. But ultimately, look at the reaction that he's trying to, to keep them from. He's trying to guide them away from. And it's not panic. Jesus didn't say here, lest your hearts be overcome with, with, uh, with, with panic and you're running around in the streets, lose, you know, your head, you know, losing your mind. It's not pessimism. He didn't say, uh, beware lest you walk around with your head hung low. Now, I'll tell you, the panic and the pessimism is underlying in all of this. But look at the text. He says says to them, take heed lest your hearts be overwhelmed with surfeiting. Now, what is that? It's a word for which we, we we would just simply call it a hangover. That's what it means. That's what it means. But what it implies is debauchery. It implies that you have so sunk your soul into the mess and the gunk and the mire of this world that you're hung over from it, surfeiting. And then he says drunkenness. Now, they don't have to be connected, right? It don't have, you don't have to just be drunk to have a hangover. You can be hung over from any type of sin, any type of vexing of your soul and spirit. I'm going to tell you something. You spend too much time on the internet, friend, you are going to be in a condition where your heart is surfeiting. It is hung over from that stuff. Surfeiting, drunkenness, that literally means intoxicated. You say, preacher, I can't believe that. I mean, he, he told the disciples to beware lest they become drunks. Listen, he's, he's warning them that if they do not take care of their heart, this is what comes. Surfeiting, drunkenness, and he says the cares of this life. You know what that means? It it literally means the distractions that are in this world. Now what is all that saying? Jesus isn't telling them to guard against panic and pessimism. He says if you're not careful, what's going to happen is you're going to become passive. Passive. 
In other words, we take our heart, we take our soul, and we bury it in debauchery. We bury it in drunkenness. We bury it in the carnal distractions. Uh, and, and we're trying to find some way to just escape the madness and escape the trouble and escape the pain that's going on around us. And Jesus says, if you don't watch your heart, you'll go to the wrong places for that. Here's a good question this morning. Where are you turning for help during these days? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? And, I, and you know what? Motive means so much. Because you're turning and looking somewhere during these troubled days to get some help. But are you just looking for relief? Are you just looking for a place to hide? Because see, if you go down the path of just, man, I just got to find some relief, you know what you'll turn to? You'll turn to all those things Jesus just mentioned. You'll turn to the debauchery, the drink, and it might not be the drink, but it'll be some sort of drug, some sort of medication. Or you'll turn to the distractions of this world, and what you won't do is turn to God. You'll be looking for relief. You'll be looking for a place to hide. But what we should be looking for is restoration, a place of true healing of our soul. Because I said every one of us have taken a hit. Every one of us have taken a loss. Every one of us have been hurt in some way. But friend, there is healing for us. There's restoration for us in Christ. But Jesus doesn't warn them and leave them. He instructs them on some things. He tells them how to watch over their souls. Remember Proverbs 4.23, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Jesus tells them how to keep their heart so in the description, all the devastation that's going to come. And here they are sitting quietly up on the Mount of Olives as he's teaching them this. And I believe the point is, prepare now, he says. Prepare now for what is to come. But he gives them truth that they're going to need. He gives them truth that we need today. We need to put it into practice now to protect our soul. Learn now, Jesus says. So what is it? Well, let me simply point out a few things Jesus offers in this text that'll work for whatever ails you. It doesn't have to just be this season that we're in. Whatever trouble comes into your life, this will help you. You can be well in your soul if, Jesus says, number one, lean into the times. Don't run from them. Let me say that again. Lean into the times. Don't run from them. Preacher, where do you get that? Verse 13. He says, and if you look up before that, he's talking about the wars, the nation against nation, great earthquakes, pestilence, famines, persecution. But look at verse 13. And it shall turn to you for a testimony. What? What did he say? Hey, we read it right, friend. He said, this is your opportunity to shine. All this trouble that's coming your way, don't bury your head. Don't hunker down in fright. Rise up and shine for me. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 and 29. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the, gospel, for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. And He says to us, this will turn to your testimony. It's a time for you to witness. It's a time for you to stand for me and share the truth. You say, man, are they mad? Are they out of their minds? What's wrong with Paul? He wants me to rejoice in these kinds of troubles. 
Let me ask you this. Which direction are you going to run to and find more peace? Find more grace? Find more hope? You see, you can't hide from the troubles of this world, but you can embrace the opportunity to be a witness for Jesus for such a time as this, ready always to give an answer of the hope that lies within you. Oh, friends, I got something to shout about today. Heaven is my eternal home. I'm glad for that. Let me give you the second thing. Not only are we to lean into the times, but Jesus says, listen to me. Listen to me and don't get distracted by the noise. In verse number 14 through verse number 18, Settle it therefore in your hearts not to meditate before what ye shall answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist and ye shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolk and friends and some of you they shall cause to be put to death and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But there shall not a hair of your head perish. Jesus says, listen, in the middle of all this, you know what will keep your soul well? Listen to me. Jesus tells them, and he tells us, don't, don't, I mean, listen, he says, trust me in this trouble. Follow my lead and praise God for this truth. Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life. You don't have to make it through this thing on your own reason. You don't have to lean on your own understanding. I'm glad Jesus says, listen to me. I will guide you. I will show you the way. Let me ask you a question. Where are you drawing your thoughts and your answers from these days? I know where way too much time is being spent, and you do too. I don't need to name it, do I? Let's just say the buckets of the world. You see, the world draws its water from somewhere too, doesn't it? But it ain't the same well that I'm drawing out of. <laughs> and I don't want to drink the world's water. I want to drink from the well that Christ has made available. Spanish philosopher Jose Ortega Gasset wrote these words. He said, tell me what you pay attention to. And I will tell you who you are. That's sort of like, you know, the old saying, you are what you eat. And uh, you will become whoever your friends are. I like how in Mark 13, when you get this account, Mark includes a little more in the narrative. It says this, And Jesus answering said unto him, Seest thou these great buildings? This was right after they bragged about the temple. Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And then some time passes, a little bit of time passes, because it goes on to say, and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple. So Jesus makes this statement. He says, you're looking at this temple. You think this is something? I promise you, this house of cards is coming down. And then they walk to the top of the Mount of Olives and they sit down. And it says, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when shall these things be? You see, it's worth noting that that's a pretty small circle of those who would get along with Jesus, who seemed to get the inside scoop on what was going on. And I think it's worth mentioning here that your soul will only be as well as the time that you're spending with the Lord Jesus Christ. What have you heard from the Lord lately? I want to share something with you that I offered to the AP the other day. And I, I hadn't talked about this with anybody else before, but I, it comes to me in the message today, and I, I, I trust it'll be a help to you. But I was sitting out in my place of prayer one morning last week, and I asked the Lord specifically if He would just give me a word. And I don't mean like, give me a, Lord, give me a word from your Bible. Give me, a, give me a verse. I didn't mean that. I meant, Lord, will you just give me one word? Lord, I'd just like to get one word from you this morning. And I, I prayed and I sat there for a moment and the word came to me, beauty. 
beauty. Oh, I began to soak in that. And then the Lord gave me two more words. Now you talk about grace, amen? That's pouring it on. And he gave me two more words, vessel and season. And I sat there that morning for a while and thought on those three words and what they meant and how they seemed to encapsulate everything the Lord's been speaking to me about over the last few weeks and the lesson that I need to be learning. What I did, I, I sent the AP a text that morning, he'll remember. And I challenged him, I said, during your prayer time this morning, take some time and ask the Lord to give you a word. Ask the Lord to speak a word into your life. And later that day, he shared with me how he'd done that and how the Lord had spoke some things to him and helped him greatly. And so I want to say that to you this morning. Find some time this week to get along with the Lord and say, Lord, will you just speak to me? Just speak a word into my heart. And, and, and let the Lord say something to you because, friend, you need to listen to him. That's where you need to draw the water from. Let me give you the third thing Jesus tells these boys. Now you know who was sitting with him, Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And he tells them, he says, lean into the times. Don't run from it. Listen to me. Don't get distracted by the noise. But the third thing he tells them is live from the heart because your hope is within you where I placed it. Now I know I've used that statement recently in our Bible study on Wednesday night, live from your heart. But I believe it is something God is messaging to us right now. And look at verse 19. Boy, I love this verse. In your patience possess ye your souls. To me, this is one of those deep verses like Ecclesiastes 3.12. And I know I could have included this in that last point easy enough, but this verse is so good it deserves kind of to stand alone and be highlighted. Jesus is, say, Jesus is saying to them, acquire or uh, possess, take possession of your soul. How do they do that? By patience, literally by the hope that is in you. That's what the patience means. It doesn't mean just sitting there and enduring it. It means by a cheerful endurance, by hope. You can endure anything by the power of genuine hope. Back in the fall of 2009, my unit was getting ready to deploy to Iraq, and we were out, I believe, at NTC, the National Training Center, Fort Irwin, California, when I preached the message from that text to the guys. And again, we're getting ready to deploy, and we're in what they call in-the-box uh, training out there in the middle of the desert, got, getting a little taste of what that next year was going to be like for us. And I preached from this text and I told the guys, I said, you know, conditions in the field right now, they're kind of like life can be, plagued with troubles. And boy, we had them out there. I mean, equipment breaks down, people getting bad uh, letters from back home, separated from family, it's hot, miserable, can't get clean, don't get to eat everything you want to, you know, all kind of problems, right? And I told him, I said, life can be that way sometimes. And all of us reach points where we feel like that we're at this, <clears throat> you know, this breaking point emotionally, physically, maybe even spiritually, and we feel like I can't take this anymore. We might get there. Friends, you might be there right now or feel like you're getting there. But I told him, I said, you know, even in a situation like we're in, we're training up to deploy. There's going to be this long separation. There's going to be the potential threat to our life the difficult task that each one of you will be called on to perform. But even in that, there is a place of rest to be found because Jesus says in your patience, in your hope, in your trust in me, possess your souls. Don't lose your heart. Don't lose your mind. But trust in me in the middle of all of it. I'd been out west just a few years before that, our family. And we'd gone to Monument Valley, Utah. 
you'll remember it from the old John Wayne Western movies. And out there in Monument Valley, you know, I was amazed by those spires that are standing all alone by themselves, rising toward the heavens in the middle of that very deep and wide valley where everything else had been washed away around them. Of course, the evolutionists say a little bit of water over billions of years, but we know it was the, the runoff of a worldwide flood. <laughs> Carved out that valley. But in the middle of it, there stands those structures that are still looking up, pointing up toward the heavens. And there they stood as if to say, you know, I was looking at them that day, and, and that's what caught my attention. I said, man, here they are. Everything else washed away around them, but there they stand just pointing up toward the sky as if to say this to our heart as a testimony. You know, you know why we're still here when everything else washed away? Because we kept our eyes on Him who controls it all. No, oh, friend, I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. It doesn't matter what's washing away. It doesn't matter what we lose in this life. If we'll keep our eyes on Him, the one who controls it all, I believe we'll be all right. But what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Men and women are losing heart today because they haven't lived from hope and faith in the one who guarantees life. They place their hope in this world, in material gain, in other people, in status, in stability. But all that's coming apart. There's only one way to possess your souls. David said, Psalm 27, verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh, Horatio Spafford wrote verse number four of that song you may not know very well, but in original writing of, of it is well, verse four says this, for me... Be it Christ, be it Christ hence to live, if Jordan above me shall roll. No pain shall be mine, for in death as in life, thou wilt whisper thy peace to my soul. Oh, boy, I'm telling you, praise the Lord, there is a peace in the midst of the storm. Let me give you this fourth thing, and then I'll close. Jesus says to them, if you want to keep your, your, your soul well during this time, Look at verse 28. Let's just read it. He says, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. <laughs> Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. You know what Jesus said? He said, If you want to keep your soul well during these days, look for the promise. <laughs> Don't get stuck on the problem. Look for the promise. Oh, yeah, there is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore in that happy golden shore. What a day, a glorious day that shall be. Hey, friends, when the trouble comes and it begins to just heap upon you and it feels like you're getting overwhelmed uh, and your soul uh, inside of you may be drawn towards something that the world offers, uh, he says don't go that way, uh, but instead look up uh, and lift up your heads uh, for your redemption draweth nigh. Hey, the darker the days may be, the higher we need to be looking. You know, if, if in this life only, Paul said, we have hope in Christ, we truly are of all men most miserable. But I tell you this this morning. I believe that even if there was nothing beyond this life, I'm convinced that the way we're calling to live right now in the Bible, the way, God call, the, way the book calls on us to live, I believe it's still the best way to live. Because it is undeniable 
that everything men build their hope on in this life ends in disappointment. Just go back and read Ecclesiastes. But we know that our Redeemer lives. And we have more than this life to live on and live for. Yes, the loss is real. Yes, the trouble is real. But I want to kind of close with this. What if you knew that everything was going to turn out all right? Huh? How would that affect the way you face each day and face each loss and each trouble? Well, look, friend, Jesus tells us, huh? when these things, verse 28, when these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Let me interpret that for you. Everything's going to turn out all right. <laughs> And old Horatio Spafford, he closed out that song as he was sailing across that ocean so many years ago, having lost a son, having lost four daughters, having lost all of his business, uh, having faced financial ruin, and on his way to go to his wife whose heart was broken, grieving the loss of her family. But he wrote these words. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. The sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. <laughs> and this is the way he wrote it. A song in the night. <laughs> Oh, my soul. I'm telling you something tonight, this morning. There is a song in the night. There is hope. There is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I know we've gone through some things. I know we'll go through some more things. But our hope is in one who's coming again one day. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Linger in the quiet places. Jesus said, take heed to y'all. Take heed to your heart. A little soul awareness goes a long way. Talk to him. Listen to him. Hey, keep going back to the well. I close with this passage from Isaiah chapter 12 because I read this earlier in studying and I said, boy, what a great verse. What a great passage. Isaiah 12 verse 1 and 3. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall we draw water out of the wells of salvation. Praise God for a song in the night. Oh, my soul, it's well, it's well. I'm drawing water from the wells of salvation. As I pray, I want to ask you where you are right now, listening this morning, watching this morning. Will you just take your heart before the Lord and just receive what He's offering? Will you do that right now, Father? Lord, it's been a great joy to me and a great help to me to prepare and preach this message today. And God, I want to linger in this quiet place. My soul needs it. Our church needs it. These families need it. God, the world's beating us tossing us to and fro. 
Oh, but I'm glad. I think about that song that the Blaylock family sang for our Jubilee service Wednesday night. Our cries have awoken the Master. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our hearts cry this morning. Oh, God, I pray you'd hear your people as they pray now. God, whatever burdens they're carrying, whatever hurts they're carrying, whatever losses they felt, Lord, restore hope in our hearts today as we turn our hearts towards you because we want to say together, it's well with our soul. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right, for our closing song this morning, let's sing It Is Well With My Soul. Good follow-up to the message we had this morning. What we'll do is we'll sing the first and second verse, and then a chorus, and then the third and the fourth chorus, verse, and then another chorus. All right, first, there we go. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Try. 